want to talk about today, Palm Sunday. It's such a great day because it really leads into what's happening in this very important week, this week where we, where we celebrate the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. And it leads to Good Friday with the death and burial of Jesus, and then Silent Saturday, and then, oh, what comes? Resurrection Sunday. And, and we call that Easter. And the Passion Week actually starts today with what we call Palm Sunday. And if you don't know much about Palm Sunday, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels, and they each tell you the same story, but each from a little different point of view. If you have more than one child in your house, you know that sometimes things happen, and there's more than one story as to what happened. So to really find out all the details, you have to bring them in one at a time and say, tell me everything that happened, and eventually you'll get the whole story. That's kind of what the Gospels are. You just read them all, and then you can hear the whole story because everybody interprets things from a different point of view. So I would encourage you this week to become a student of the Gospels and go and read the, the Easter story from Palm Sunday to Easter and find out what happened in each of these accounts. But today, we are going to look at Luke's account, and it'll be in Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible with you and you want to turn there, go ahead and do that. If not, don't worry. We're going to put it on the screen for you to read along with us. But just so you know what's happening here, it's the start of Passover, and people are pouring into Jerusalem. Everywhere you look, there are people. It's like going to Target in August when all of the students come back. There are people everywhere. And Jesus is headed into Jerusalem, and in verse 28 of chapter 19, it says, When he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at a place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. How crazy would that be if you went into someone's driveway and saw a kid's bike and you're like, I'm just going to take this. And if the parents say anything, you're just going to be like, the Lord needs it. I mean, we would never do that. Only in the Bible would this happen. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. And when they are untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? The Lord needs it, needs it they said. Then they brought it to Jesus and after throwing their clothes on the colt, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They didn't like it. It was getting out of control. It was getting a little wild. And Jesus said to them, I tell you, if they keep silent, even the stones would cry out. Even the stones would cry out because this was such a moment that they needed. They needed this king. He's coming in on a donkey, and, and the people see him, and they begin to shout, Blessed is him, and they throw their coats on the ground for a padded parade route. And the gospels say they were cutting down 
one of the Gospels says that they were cutting down tree branches from palm trees, hence the name Palm Sunday, and they were waving them and shouting, Hosanna. You see, these people that saw him coming probably were thinking, our king is finally here. He's finally here to rescue us and deliver us and free us from the the pain and the toil and the political oppression that we have been in. This was their moment. It's what they had been waiting for. He's finally here to free us. These people were expecting a Messiah to save them. And you know, Jesus does come to save us, but it's not always in the way we think we need it. You see, Jesus was coming for a very different reason. He knew he was coming to die. See, Jesus knows everything. Nothing catches him by surprise. He knows what's going to happen on Monday. He knows what's going to happen on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And he knew on Friday he wouldn't be coming under the shouts of Hosanna. He'd be coming under the shouts of crucify him. And yet he still chose to come on Sunday. That's how good our God is. The king doesn't just come to solve our problems of today. He takes care of our past and our present, and he goes into our future, and he takes care of that. And sometimes it's not as it seems. It's not what you think. And that's what I'm calling today's message. It's not what you think. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much that you that you are God, that you know more than we do, that your ways are higher and better than our ways. God, we invite you into this moment right now. Speak to our hearts. Let us not be the same after being here with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, side note, I didn't share this first service, but um, I'm going to now. So when I told my husband that I, about my message, normally I ask him, for help on my messages, and normally he's a lot of help, but when I asked him this time, he was really no help, and I was like, fine, I'm going to talk about the donkey, and he said, fine, talk about the donkey, you can call it, even God can use a, but I don't talk like that, so I wouldn't say that, all right, it's not what you think, are any of you chronic borrowers in here, you know what a chronic borrower is? You see something that someone has and you say, can I borrow that? You like to borrow things from people? Maybe you like to borrow a a drill or a yard tool or shoes or something. You like to borrow that? I hate borrowing. I I don't want to borrow your stuff. There's a lot of pressure when you borrow things. You know, like maybe you would lose it or maybe it would get broken. Or maybe it would sit on your counter and then eventually you stick it in a cupboard and a year later when you're doing your spring cleaning, you're like, where did this plate come from? And you're like, I can't remember. And the whole time your friend is thinking, what a jerk. They borrowed my plate and have never returned it. You could really damage a friendship by being an irresponsible borrower. So I don't like borrowing. The problem is I live with a bunch of people who love to borrow. They especially love to borrow from me, who does not like to borrow. And before you ask, no, I wasn't an only child. I just have very clear boundaries in my life. (laughs) So these people borrow from me. My daughter likes to borrow makeup brushes from me and makeup. It's cute right now. I don't let her wear it to school. Um, My 
two middle sons, Grant and Oliver, they have a habit of always borrowing phone chargers, and then they have the spiritual gift of losing phone chargers. So we have a lot of, like, we have a lot that plug into the wall but no cords in our house. Um, my oldest son has figured out that I come to school, I take his sister to school during his lunch break, so he thinks he can borrow my time and my money, and he will send me text messages asking for a buffalo wrap or a Red Bull or a pen, or he has a sudden case of diabetes and needs me to take him to the doctor. All the things that he thinks he could borrow from me. We're getting dangerously close to him wanting to borrow my car. So if any of you have some jobs you would like him to do to earn some money for a car, let him know. But probably the person that does the most borrowing from me, that bugs me the most, is my husband. Now don't worry, it's not what you think. What he likes to borrow from me is my ideas. Constantly. If I have an idea, he takes it and says it's his. If I have a joke, he takes it and says it's his. Here's an example. Remember about a year ago when we said, hey, we're getting a building. And then he got up. He had the nerve to get up in front of all of you and say, and I decided that we should put a basketball court in it. And all of you were like, brilliant, PJ. Awesome, PJ. We're with you. That's a great idea. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> it's not a roller skating rink, but we think it'll be just as great. Some people love to borrow. They can't help but borrow. And you know who else was a big fan of borrowing? Jesus. Jesus borrowed stuff all the time. He borrowed a boat to preach from. He borrowed a little boy's lunch and did a miracle with it. He even borrowed a tomb just for a few days. He didn't need it very long, just a few days. He borrowed a tomb. And here at the start of the Passion Week, we find him borrowing a donkey. Of all the things he could have ridden in on, and he chose not what you think, but a donkey. Jesus knew that as he would go into Jerusalem, the crowds would be so great that he couldn't get from point A to point B, so he needed another way. He needed some assistance. He needed to borrow someone else's resource so that he could complete the mission of the day, so he borrows this little donkey. Now, I warned you that this Palm Sunday message is not what you think, and there are a lot of directions we could have gone with it, but we're going to talk about this donkey, so I really need you to use your imagination with me today, because I think we can learn a lot of things from all kinds of, of situations and stories, and I really believe that if God can use a donkey God can use us. He can use our life. He can use our situations, our struggles, our inadequacies, our past. He can use our present. He can use them all. You see, because Jesus borrows things. He changes things. He redeems things, and he even repurposes things. So don't ever count yourself out. Don't count yourself as unusable, because if God can use a donkey, he certainly can use you. I have four things that I see from this donkey that um, I want us to talk about today. And if you're taking notes, 
the first lesson that we can learn from this little donkey is that he had never been ridden before, so he had been saved for a purpose. He was set apart. Okay, let's use our imagination here. Channel, donkey, desert, Jerusalem. We don't know what life was like for this donkey. We don't know how old the donkey was. I don't even know how old donkeys can live to. You know, if you do, you can tell me later. So I don't know how old he was. We don't know how long he'd been standing there. We don't know what it was like day in and day out as he watched these other little donkeys run around having the best time of their lives, doing what donkeys do, doing what they wanted, when they wanted, how they wanted. That donkey, he just stood there, unridden and tied to a door. All those days, months, years, where he probably wanted to be like everybody else and and do what everybody else was doing. But you see, someone else had something else intended for him. There was a purpose for his life. He wasn't to live like everyone else. And we're not to live like everyone else. Because there's a purpose for your life. All throughout the Bible, we see it. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Romans 8.28, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. I could go on, but I think you get the point. No matter what you have been through, no matter how much you've been living for something else, seeking the approval of others, or trying this thing, or trying that thing, God's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He created you on purpose for a purpose that only you can walk out. And maybe you hear that today. Maybe you've heard me say that a million times before, and you think, I get it, but I just don't know what my purpose is. I don't know how God can use me. Well, we can help you with that. We have this amazing resource available to you called Essentials, and it's for everyone to help you discover your redemptive purpose and live the life that God has created you for. And it is so easy to take part in Essentials. It is right after this service. And anyone wearing a red team shirt can show you exactly where the essentials room is. And if you're nervous to go by yourself, we get that. Tell one of our team members and anyone who is in a red team shirt, a black team shirt, or a blue team shirt, they will go and sit with you so that you don't have to sit alone. And you know what? If you really love Pastor Justin or if you've really just wanted to have a moment of his time, he'll be in there. Honestly, there's no better time to go through Essentials than when Pastor Justin, the guy who wrote Essentials, is going to be in Essentials. And you might think, oh, I already went through growth track. I know. I know what it is. I did growth track. This is different. This is better. I promise you. I've never lied to you in church before. Essentials is essential to your walk and your growth and your purpose. And if you have not been, whether you are new to Velocity, semi-new to Velocity, been to Velocity forever, Essentials is for you. 
This little unridden donkey, he was saved for a sacred moment. He was set apart, and you are set apart for something special, something holy, something only God intends. Maybe it's not what you think, so let's do everything we can to help you discover or maybe rediscover your purpose and God's plan for your life. The second lesson I see from this little donkey is that what he was where he was supposed to be, so he was available. Wouldn't you agree that it can be hard to stay put, especially when you see everything else going on around you? See that sweet little donkey? He probably spent his days watching those other dumb donkeys running all around him doing this and doing that and going over here and rolling around to the dirt, having, you know, what seemed to be the best time of their life. We are not donkeys, but sometimes we act like a bunch of donkeys. We like to run over here and run over there, and then we want to do this and we want to do that, and we can fill our days and our lives with so much stuff that there is no room left. We can become unavailable for the right thing because we've made ourselves too available for the wrong things. But this sweet little donkey, he just stayed right where he was supposed to be. And some of us, we need to learn to stay right where we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to jump ship or mentally or physically check out before our time is done. We're not supposed to be like, meh, I'm busy. The Lord knows my heart. You're right, the Lord does know your heart, but do you know your heart? What are you available for? Recently, we started singing, I think it's a fairly new song in worship called Available. And there's this line in it that gets me every time. It says, for the one who gave me life, nothing is a sacrifice. Use me how you want to, God. I like busy. I'm a busy person. I, I like lots of balls in the air and juggling them. I love to take care of my family and my home, and I, I love being involved with things about the building, and, and I love getting to uh, meet with this group of people and lead this team, and oh, I love dinner meetings at Six Mile. So if you ever want to have a dinner meeting with us, we'll go to Six Mile. Um, I love working at my kids' school and getting to be involved in that. I love the go, go, go of life. And I don't think busy is bad. I think busy is good. I think busy keeps you, keeps you moving. But if I have no margin, then really what I am is like those dumb little donkeys just running around. But if the cry of our hearts could be, God, use me how you want, not how I want, not when I want, not when it's easy or convenient or fun. God, use me how you want because I'm available to you. That doesn't mean that I'm letting life pass me by or I'm too afraid to commit to anything because I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, it means that I'm seeking him and being sensitive to the season that I'm in and what he has for me. You see, there is a line there's a line of being too busy and not busy enough. And I can't tell you where that line is for you. That's something that you have to reconcile. But there is a line. The donkey was where he was supposed to be. He was available. 
maybe the greatest thing that we can learn to do in this season is to learn how to mute voices and distractions that are constantly running around us, taunting us, pulling us, wanting us to abandon our posts. You see, we have a natural tendency to roam, to wander. I'm a big fan of singing hymns, and I hope someday we will get to sing this hymn in the church. That's the line that says, bind my wandering heart to thee. That means, God, connect my heart to you and what you have for me. That donkey was literally tied to a doorway. Maybe you need to tie yourselves to some doorways today, the right doorways, the doorway of God's house, the doorway of being on a team, the doorway of being in a group, the doorway of giving, the doorways that give you life and not suck the life out of you. That little donkey stayed where he was supposed to be, and if he had wandered off, if he wasn't where he needed to be on the day when the master had need of him, he would have missed out on the very thing that God created him for. He stayed tied to his post so that Jesus could get to his post. We need to be available for whatever God has for us. Here's the third lesson from this little donkey. He had to be untied before he could be used, which means he found freedom. He had to be loosened so that he could live out his life's mission. When you find freedom from your pain, from your fear, from your past, from your mistakes, from the wounds of unforgiveness, when you are freed from all of that, you are able to live an abundant and victorious life that God has for you. John 8:36 says, "So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed." Galatians 5:1 says, "Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free." And Easter is a time of freedom. It's resurrection. It's bringing dead things to life. Are there some things in your life that need to be freed? So picture with me again. There's the donkey on another hot day. He's, he's tied up. He's watching the world go on around him, watching life happen to everyone. And all of a sudden, he hears two men walk up, and they begin to talk. And he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on, going on, but all of a sudden, he's being untied. He's being freed from the very thing that held him all these days. But it's not what you think. He's finding freedom, but he's also being led. He didn't just get freed from what was holding him. He was being led into his next steps. He comes up to this crowd of people, and they start to put coats on his back, and he thinks, what is that? And then this man named Jesus sits on him, and for the first time, he feels the weight of a human. He's carrying the weight of the one who is carrying the weight of the world. And I bet he's so glad he waited. I bet the freedom he is experiencing in that moment is greater than anything he could have imagined. You see, when he got free, he didn't run around and go crazy. He didn't break loose and follow after all, all those other things, all those other donkeys. He was freed, and then he was led and now he's leading a parade for the Prince of Peace. 
His freedom helped the master move towards his mission. And the last lesson that I think we can learn from this donkey is he made a way. It's not what it seems. Who would have ever thought that a little donkey would have been used to bring Jesus to the people and through the people? The most unlikely thing was the very thing that made a difference. The most unlikely thing was the very thing that made a difference. Have you ever experienced an unlikely thing in your life? As I was preparing, I kept thinking about a, a story in Mark 2. And I want to look at it with you. And in Mark 2, Jesus was teaching in his home. And when Jesus taught, just crowds of people came. And he was in his home, and all of a sudden his home was, was very full. It was like the beaches of Miami during spring break in a pandemic full. People everywhere. You couldn't get in. You couldn't get through the door. You couldn't get through the window. There were just people everywhere. And these four men, they had a friend who was paralyzed. He couldn't, he couldn't get up on his own. He couldn't come to Jesus. But these four friends knew that if they could just get him to Jesus, then Jesus could heal him. So they take him. And because of the crowd, they can't get through. So what do they do? They go home. No, that's not what they did. They decided, we're going to cut a hole in the roof, and we're going to bring our friend down to Jesus. See, these friends, they made a way. When plan A didn't work, they regrouped, they went to the Home Depot, got some ropes, and they moved on to plan B. They made a way when there wasn't a way to get this man to Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He was talking to the four. He said, because of your faith, this man is made whole. Not anything he did. Because of your faith, he now is healed. We don't know many details about this story. We don't know if this man had faith to believe that Jesus could heal him. We don't even know if he was a consenting party to this whole thing. You know, we don't know if his friends just came and, and got him and were like, come on, we're going. We don't know if when they got to Jesus' house, if this man was like, see, I told you this was a bad idea. Told you this wasn't going to work. This isn't the right time. We don't know if his friends were like, no, 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 I gotcha. Trust me, we're just going to lower you through the roof. It's going to be totally fine. We don't know what was going on. But evidently from the text, it doesn't matter because Jesus said because of their faith, you are made whole. I bet you have people in your life that think it would be pointless to come to Easter with you. But I would say, it's not what you think. And maybe it's going to be your faith that makes a difference in someone's life. If plan A doesn't work for us, we're gonna go to plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, we're gonna go to plan C. And if plan C doesn't work, we're gonna keep going because we're going to be the kind of friend that those four men were. You have people all around you crying out for Jesus. They may not 
be saying it with their mouth, but through their actions, through their questions, through the way they're living their life, you know they're crying out for a savior. And are you gonna be the kind of friend that says, if I can't get you through the door, I'll lower you through the roof. And if I can't get you through the roof, I'll find another way because I'm not gonna give up. I know you've turned me down the last three Easter's and the last four Christmases, but don't give up. Do whatever it takes for them to experience this redemptive power of Jesus. Do you have a plan to bring someone with you next week? Not just bring someone with you, but an invite that says, come sit with me. Do you have a plan in place for next week? Finishing the story in Mark 2, I want to show you what it says in verse 12. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Can I tell you what's going to happen next week? People are going to walk out of these doors and say, I have never seen anything like that before. And I'm not talking about the production value and the lights and the screens and the amazing Easter bunny that we're going to have. I'm talking about the moment when Jesus changes a life. He did it over 2,000 years ago, and he's still doing it. He's still changing lives, and things are, are coming back to life, and dead things are living again, and we have the opportunity to be a difference maker for others. We have the opportunity to make a way for others, and that's how we fit into Palm Sunday. It's not what you thought. Jesus is the hope for the hopeless, for the lost, He's for the one who has no other options, for the one who has lost everything and doesn't know what's next. He did it for you, he did it for me, and he's gonna keep doing it for others. Some people can't make it on their own, so God will use our testimony, our talent, our time, our persistence, our invitation to make a difference in people's lives. An invitation to sit with you at Easter next week could be the very thing that God uses to make a way for those who need to live another way.